I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you mean you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> She was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. <laughs> You're the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. Now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because... You know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. Oh, Michael J. He's one of my favorite comedians. We were able to, we were at Willow Creek Church not too long ago, and he was there, and he's so funny. He's a good man, too. He does a lot of good things uh, with the, the platform that God has given him. You know, it's National Day of Prayer. Uh, called to pray for uh, the people in um, Houston. And, uh, you know, and we think about prayer, and I'm kind of like Michael J. sometimes. I kind of feel awkward when it, uh, when it comes to praying. And, I, and, uh, and, you know, and I'm sure that uh, some of you could say that. You know, you could say, I just feel a little awkward uh, when in prayer. You know, you've been in a small group, and somebody says, uh, will you pray? And, I mean, something goes through you. Like, I can remember when I first started going to church, the pastor liked to do discipleship from the platform. And he'd, he would call on somebody every Sunday morning or Sunday night to pray. And I can remember after becoming a Christian, I'd hide. I'd actually get down behind people so that he couldn't see me, so he would not call on me. He called on to that after a little while. Uh, but, you know, when you just feel a little awkward like Michael J. And how many of you would say, hey, buddy, I, I'm a believer. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. But honestly, my, my uh, prayer life is just a little awkward, you know, a little stale. I mean, if the truth be known, my prayer life is almost non-existent. You know, uh, may, maybe you're a believer. I mean, you love Jesus and, you know, you've confessed your sin and the blood of Christ has covered your sin and he lives in your heart. But you could, do, uh, you could be a little better prayer. I, I know that's true for me. You know, I... In fact, so much of my life, uh, even though I pray every day uh, in some way or another, but normally every day I kneel at my couch or in my, at my bed or I pray every day and I, I, I feel, uh, I felt like I've been inadequate uh, when it comes to 
praying and, and, um, and that I could do much better when it comes to praying. It's just a place that's always in me that, I, man, you could, I mean, you could do better. You're a pastor, you know, and I, I live with that. And I felt like all my life, uh, my Christian life, I've just been inadequate. I live with, I live with a sense of guilt when it comes to prayer for not praying enough. And, and, and I know some of you probably feel the same way. You know, you love Jesus and, you know, you want to serve God and you do your very best, but when it comes to prayer, you just just kind of stuck on it. You know, and here's what I've discovered about us. When we don't, when we don't want to do something or, or, or if we find it hard to do, we come up with some really good excuses on why not, you know, why I'm not going to do it. Like, you know, some excuses like when you don't want to go to work and there's just days you wake up and you want to go to work. And so I was looking at that and I found some uh, excuses. These are true excuses that people have, have used not to go to work. The first one is uh, the employee said he broke his arm reaching to grab a falling sandwich. That's a big old sandwich. This is another one. The employee claimed his grandmother poisoned him with ham. Now just remember, Christmas is coming up, Thanksgiving, and old grandma could poison you with some ham. An employee said they poked themselves in the eye while combing their hair. An employee said that their parakeet had the flu and needed to take, uh, be taken care of. Number six, employees said they were going to the beach because the doctor said that they needed more vitamin D. That's a great excuse. Employees said their cat was stuck inside the dashboard of their car. Number four, employees said they chugged a bottle of mouthwash thinking it was Powerade, I think they taste the same, and was sick as a result. Number three, employees said they were kicked by a llama and suffered a broken leg because of that. Number two, employees said his girlfriend threw a pan of grits in his face. Now, she was mad. This is my all-time favorite. I accidentally took two X-Lax in addition to my Prozac. I can't get off the John, but I feel really good about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, know, we like to make excuses when things are hard and when we're just not able to get into uh, to that. It's the same with our prayer life. You know, it's hard. Prayer is hard. And, and, uh, and we don't always like to do it, and so we make excuses. And here's four excuses that we come up with. The first one is this. A lot of people are not sure how to pray. I don't know how to pray. You know, I don't know if we'll sit down, stand up, lay down. Uh, we, think, uh, we think to ourselves, am I praying the right way? Am I praying too long, praying too loud? Am I doing this right? And a lot of people really don't know how to pray, and so we just don't pray. Number two, a lot of us, we are dis uh, distracted while trying to pray. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I get up in the morning and I do what I do and do my devotions and I sit down and I either kneel at my couch or the bed and I get down to pray and I'm really into it. I mean, I'm really into it. 30 seconds, man. I'm into it. And I'm praying, God, help me. And suddenly I remember, oh, no, I forgot to email someone back yesterday. Or, man, I, I've got a doctor's appointment today. And just like that, I say, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, and I'm out the door. Because I've been distracted, you know. And so um, another excuse we use is we think that God doesn't care about my stuff. I mean, how could God? You know, God, how could God? God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. God's ever-present. I mean, so why would he care about my small stuff? Why would he care about my life? So we just don't bother to pray. And number four, my prayers really don't make a difference anyway. 
You know, it, it, he's never answered my prayers. I've prayed all my life. You might be saying, and he's never answered my prayers in the past. So what makes me think that he will answer my prayers in the future? It didn't work the last time. So I, I'm not sure praying makes a difference. And so a lot of us go through life believing in God, having a relationship in a sense with Jesus, but having a half-hearted and sometimes a non-existent prayer life. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I dare say there's many of you, 50% of us, 50% of you and even those online or more would say, man, my prayer life is stale. My prayer life is boring. Uh, I, I make excuses for it. It's nearly non-existent. And that's why I want to talk to you today about prayer. Uh, actually, when I had this sermon, the Lord gave me this. I didn't even know it was National Day of Prayer. So, hey, God knows what he's doing. I don't. And uh, so I, I just, uh, uh, that's why I want to talk to you about an incredible promise from God when we pray and, and how to receive that promise. But first, I want to give you a simple definition of prayer. Now, you, I want you to be ready for this. It's in your notes. Uh, it is profound. I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, not much profound comes off of the stage when I'm speaking, but it is profound. Are you ready for it? It is big, and you got to capture this. Prayer is simply talking with God. Prayer is simply talking with God. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then prayer is just simply talking to God like I'd talk to my good buddy Joe. It's just like talking, you know, just having a conversation with him, telling him whatever, you know, simply talking God. That's what it is. It's so simple, and yet it's so hard to believe that we can talk to God, that we can talk to God, the creator of the universe, the God that hung the stars and the moon in the sky, that we can talk to him, and not only that, he talks back. He talks back to us. He responds to us. What an incredible God. The Bible says that you and I can boldly, I mean, we can walk right up to the throne of grace. We can walk right up to the throne of grace, God's love for us. We can walk right up to the throne of grace so that we might find help when we need it. Man, incredible promise. You know, it's just, it's just talking to God. Now, I want to give you a couple of verses of scripture today uh, from Jeremiah that I've studied in my devotions over the last couple of weeks. I mean, it, it has really brought a prayer to my mind in a, in a whole new way. Uh, you know, it, it means a lot to me. I learned just how powerful prayer uh, can be in our lives. I mean, I've always known that, but this scripture brought something brand new to, my, to light in my life. And I don't know how many times I've probably read this scripture and probably read right over. You know, I don't know if you do that, but, you know, I go back and say, wow, maybe you said that. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I want to help you understand just how powerful this promise is and how powerful our prayer can be. Because I think when we really understand how powerful prayer is, then we will not be so hesitant to just talk to God, have a little conversation with him. He talks to you, 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 we talk to him, he talks to us. So, uh, did you know that God has some things hidden? some important things hidden about your life. There are some hidden things about your life. There are some hidden things about your circumstances. There are some hidden things about your marriage, about your kids, about your career, about your finances, about the circumstances you face in your life. There are, God has some hidden things, some things that are hidden. 
And in the, in, the, in the first three verses of Jeremiah chapter 33, God himself is talking to Jeremiah about prayer. It's incredible. It says this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. You know, this is the second time, Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the, guard, in the court of the guard. Thus saith the Lord. I love that. Thus saith the Lord who made the earth. The Lord, he's saying, hey, look, Jeremiah, this is the Lord. This is the one true God. This is the I am God. He's saying to Jeremiah, this is me, that God. He's saying to him, uh, he says, the, the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have, never, you have not known. Now within these verses are the key to discovering those hidden things in our lives. It's the key to under, having greater understanding of the things and circumstances that are happening in our lives. This morning I, wanted to, I, wanted to, I want you and I to discover, help you know how to discover those hidden things. The first thing that we need to do to discover the hidden things in our lives is call out to God. Call out to God. Well, wow, that's pretty simple. But you ever, uh, how many of you saw the movie Bruce Almighty? Anybody remember seeing that movie? Yeah, that's what I thought, most of you. In the movie, the writers uh, of the script gave God a phone number that Carey, uh, Jim Carrey could, could dial to talk to God Almighty anytime he wanted to. He could just dial it up. But instead of using the uh, prefix of 555, you do know that movies and TV, that's normally when they use the phone number, it's 555. But instead of that, um, that they usually give, they gave him the prefix 776. Now, many people who saw the movie, and I don't know if you were one of them, but many people who saw the movie wrote, the, wrote that number down. They wrote the number down and started dialing it. You see, it was reported that a lady in St. Petersburg, Florida, received 20 calls an hour from people who wanted to talk to God. That's incredible. You know, it tells me that you and I have a great desire to talk to God. I mean, to dial up his number and he answers, hey, hello, this is God. Hey, this is Bud. <laughs> and talk to God and he talked to us. But the incredible thing is, what's cool about this scripture is that you don't need a phone number to call to God. You don't need a phone number to call to God. In fact, God says, call to me. Call to me. Now, the word call is a call of intensity. Now, it's not a, a call to whine or whimper or complain to him. It's not like, oh, God, here I am. My life's miserable. I'm falling apart. Everything's going wrong. It's not that kind of call. I mean, there may be times that you can do that. But he's saying, call to me. And when he says, call to me, it's a call to urgency. God, I need you. God, it's called intensity. It's like, man, it's fervency. God, I'm calling out to you today because I'm in trouble. God, I really need you today. It's not like, God, oh, everything's falling apart. I'm like, oh, God. It's God, I need you today. It's calling. It's an intensity. Get it? It's shameless. I mean, it's like, I don't care if I slobber on myself. I don't care what I, I don't care who hears me. I don't care what's going on. God, I need you today. It's that kind of call. Get it? 
All right, two of you got it. So, when do I call? For those of you that ask, any time and all the time. You see, the, it's praying unceasingly. It's praying without ceasing. You see, the, the situation in which Jeremiah found himself when God says, call to me, it contains a huge lesson for us. In verse 1 it says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was shut up in the court of the guard. Now, if you read through the book of Jeremiah, Gay has been in the book of Jeremiah for a while, but if you read through the book of Jeremiah, you would find that Jeremiah has lived a pretty doggone tough life. Things haven't always gone well for Jeremiah. For over 40 years now, he has served as the counselor, as the confidant of all the kings of Judah, but none of them ever listened to him. It's almost like I feel. You see, Jerusalem is now surrounded by Babylonian armies. I mean, of every side, they're surrounded. And their armies are lined up in rows, and there's no gap in between. I imagine it looked kind of like the pictures that we see of the North Korean military. You know, it's like... And there's no gap. I mean, they're just in step, and that kind of reminds me of the Babylonian army. I don't know if that has any significance, but, you know, we need to pray about that situation. But that's what it reminded me of. The ramps they were to use, you know, they had to get over the walls, and they were, they were building these ramps to invade the city. They were under construction. I mean, it was going to happen. The walls in the city of Jerusalem itself were going to fall, and it was going to happen pretty darn quickly. Now, with Jerusalem, the nation of Judah will fall, and there's every reason for despair, every reason for fear. Israel has been struck a, a mortal blow by God. I mean, God is sick and tired of their idol worship. And he's, he's saying, that's it, guys. You are done. And Jeremiah, was he was yakking and yakking and yakking and telling them and warning the people. And there's Jeremiah, the great man of God. Now, where is he while Jerusalem, Judea, and Israel are about to be overwhelmed? Where is he? Where is that great prophet who has warned the rulers and the people for generations that they better turn back to God, they better get out of that idol worship before his judgment comes? Where is he? Where is that man who spent his whole life obediently serving God? I mean, from a youth and warning others. Uh, warning others about God's commandment. He was doing all that God commanded him to do. Where is Jeremiah? Jeremiah's in jail. I mean, his circumstances are horrible. The leaders of Jerusalem had gotten sick and tired of hearing Jeremiah preach. They'd gotten sick and tired of hearing him warn about God's judgment. And, uh, and so they put him in jail. They thought he could shut him up. Put, get this guy, put him in jail and shut him up. The fact is the city is now surrounded and it seems that the prophet, what he had been preaching is starting to come true and that didn't help him at all. So they, they took Jeremiah, they locked Jeremiah up. So here it is. Here is innocent Jeremiah in prison doing everything he knows to do, doing everything God had ever told him to do, being the man that God wanted him to be, totally obedient, and yet he's in jail. He's locked up. In prison. Now there are times in our lives where we can find ourselves in some kind of prison. You know, and we begin to whine and complain and carry on. And we find ourselves in a kind of prison locked up as we live obedient lives. 
as we pray, as we serve God, as we tithe, as we do all that we know to do to be a good follower of Jesus Christ, serving God, we find ourselves locked up in prison. You see, it can be financial prison. It, it can be a marital prison. It can be a, a health prison. It can be a, a job, your career, or school. And, and so we can identify with being shut up in the court of the guard. We can identify with being thrown in prison. So Jeremiah is probably saying to God, hey, God, God, things ain't looking up here. They're not so good here. I know you're not supposed to say eight, but school don't start till Tuesday. You know, uh, God, things are not so good here in, the, in this court of the, of the guard, and things are not looking up. Even though I believe in you, even though I've done everything you've asked me to do, even though, God, I love you to the end, even though, God, what in the world's going on? And God says to Jeremiah, call to me, call to me. Don't sit there whining and complain, call to me. So if you find yourself in prison today, God is saying to you, don't whine, don't complain to me, but call to God. Call to me, my child. You see, prayer is a personal invitation uh, from God himself to call out to him. It's God's personal invitation. He's saying to you, if you're in prison, if life sucks, if anything's not going the way you want them to go, he's saying, hey, you got an open invitation here. Call out to me. Don't run to everything the world offers because that's what we do. Don't run to all those things that the world says, oh, it'll make you feel better. God is saying, look, guys, here's a personal invitation. Call to me. Call to me. So considering that, we need to acknowledge the magnitude of God. Look at Jeremiah 33, 2. Thus saith the Lord who made the earth. I love this person. I love this portion of Scripture. This is what just turned me on to preaching on this, was this portion of Scripture right here. It says, thus saith the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Now, with this command comes a promise. It's a problem so important, so great, that God promises it with his own name. Four times in the first two, verses one and two, he signs his name Yahweh. Just like a name on a, a contract, guaranteeing it's going to happen. I've signed a contract. Now, this is no wimpy little God making his promise. This is, this is no wimpy little know nothing, hear nothing, see nothing, do nothing God. This is Yahweh. This is God. This is the creator of the heaven and the earth, the one who made you and the one who made everything we see. That God. He's saying that God. I'm the Lord. That God. He is the, God, he is the great I am. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. That God is who he's talking about. It's that God. You see, the God who formed man from the dust of the ground, the God who sent waters to flood the earth, fire and brimstone to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins. I'm talking about that God. And God is saying, that's the God that you're talking to. That's the God that's saying to you, call out to me. It's not some God that's distant. It's not some God that's, that's dead in a tomb. This is a God that's alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on my behalf. I'm talking about that God. I'm talking about that God. 
The God who loves us, the God who says you matter to me, the God who is so crazy about you that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. Folks, that's the God that we can call out to and that's the magnitude of God. You see, that God makes a promise to us. He's saying to Jeremiah, write this down. This is a memo from God. It's, the, it's that God who made a covenant commitment to you and me. If you confess your sins and have asked Jesus Christ by faith to forgive you, if you've invited Christ into your life to be your Savior, then God, that God, has made a covenant with you. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. The Bible says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what's promised. You get that? After waiting patiently. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said, and it puts an end to all argument. That God. And I'm sure there's another page to that. Oh, there it is. <laughs> because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to his heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. You didn't know that right. It is impossible. So if God said it, you can take it to the bank. He doesn't lie. Whew, I'm fat and old. We who have fled uh, to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope set before us may, we, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Wow, what a promise. You see, God has promised you to you and I to do some things for us. You might be thinking, but buddy, you don't know my past. You don't even know where I was at last night. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know who I was with. I've really messed up. I have too. You know, but listen to me here. It doesn't matter what you've done because God has made some commitments regardless of your past. If you have put your hope in Jesus Christ, he has made an oath to you. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. That God will do that. Regardless of our past, the enemy would say to us, because of what you did, it's over with you and God. He doesn't listen to you anymore. He doesn't care about you. Your stuff doesn't matter to him. But God says, I am the Lord. I have made a covenant, an oath with you, which means God does his part even when we fail to do ours. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithful, I mean, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Well, that's a, somebody in here should be going, whew, that's good. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You see, God has made a covenant with us, and he will not deny himself. That's an awesome promise. So, once we accept God's invitation to pray, I must believe by faith that God will answer me. God, I need you. Okay, I hear you, and I will answer you. God said to Jeremiah, call to me, and I will answer you. I mean, 
If God says that, if he doesn't do that, then he's a liar. But the Bible says he cannot lie. Call to me. Bless you too. Uh, I know you're just talking about the sneeze, but I'll take the blessing. I'll take a blessing any time it goes by me, you know. <laughs> now you really, this sneezing thing's out of my hand. Call to me and I will answer you, which means that even if I'm sitting in a prison or in a palace, God will answer me. And his answer will include two things. Jeremiah 33b, God says, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. First, God will encourage you, inspire you, motivate you with great understanding and knowledge. Some of you in a place for your life today where you need some great understanding and a little more knowledge and some wisdom? Okay. Pray. Call out to God. <laughs> and you can... You, it's, it's more than you can attain on your own. You can't get this on your own. You can't sit down and figure it out. You can't talk to some psychic. You can't call up some hotline. It's only you're going to get this when you call out to God. Let's think about Jeremiah for a minute. God instructed the prophet to remain unmarried as a sign of the harsh judgment that God was bringing to correct Israel in their rebellion. Now, Jeremiah's church, his congregation, was heavily involved in idol worship. They were into uh, deception and wickedness. They were fully engaged in this blatant rejection of God and had turned instead to worship idols. You know, this is as clear as it gets. If something is going on in your life today and you're wondering about God's character and you're thinking if God is really that God, then why is this happening in my life? If, that, if this is that God that you're talking about, buddy, then why is all this stuff happening in my life. You thought I was like crap, but I didn't. All this stuff is happening in my life, and that's the very reason it's important for believers in Jesus Christ to have faith. Hebrews says in 11, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. God says, call to me. That God, he says, call to me, not later, not tomorrow morning or before you go to bed, but right now, in that moment of your pain, in your confusion, in your chaos, and I will tell you great things that you don't know. It doesn't matter if your heart is breaking. It doesn't matter if your heart is breaking for your family, your kids, or your grandkids, or your career, or your health, or your school, or your marriage, or, or, or an important relationship, or your finances, or your church, whatever. Crisis are the primary times to call out to God and say, God, what in the world is going on here? What is going on here? God, we don't have to live in the dark and not know. Call out to God. God, is, God what in the world is going on here? I, I'm not seeing it, God. I'm not feeling it, God. God, why in the world am I going through this? Now, the answer God provides is not necessarily going to come from reading the Bible. It could, but it, it may come with insight to help you understand what's happening and why it's happening, and it will come through prayer. And you won't know this until you pray. God says, not only will I give you greater things, greater understanding and knowledge, but I will also tell you hidden things. That is incredible to understand in our life that there are some hidden things and the only way that they're going to be exposed in our life is when we take time to pray. You know, when, when we call to God, he will reveal to us insight that no one can see but you and God. 
I mean, God knows things about our lives. God knows things about our marriages. God knows things about our children. God knows things about our health, about our finances, about our circumstances, about our pain, about our confusion, great things, mighty things, hidden things that God knows and he wants you to know. And he wants me to know. And this is one of the greatest blessings of prayer. God tells us hidden things. But sometimes those things won't become clear until we pray. And they won't become clear until we, we just stop talking and we're quiet and we're listening. Sometimes I'm afraid to listen to God, honestly. Good gracious, Kim, bless you, girl. You need to go to the doctor or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> you see, prayer is a conversation that we expect God to talk back to us, speak back to us directly. And that can't, help, that can't happen without moments of silence during which we anticipate hearing from God. When you pray, do you anticipate hearing from God? Or are you just like me and you give him a big laundry list of things you want God to do for you? Thank you, God. Have a great day, God. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray. And I take off without ever taking one moment to say what God's got to say back to me. I might ask God, God, what's going on in my marriage? And get, get, get. Bless Jody. Bless, you know, bless my grandkids. Bless, bless the church. God, help us with the offering this weekend. Bless the message. Help our church. And then I say, thank you, God. Amen. In Jesus' name. Without ever stopping to listen. God tells us why people are the way they are or why certain things had to happen the way they did. That's what I get from this scripture. You see, God reminds us what good is being accomplished that we can't see in the midst of some of the stuff we go through. God tells us how the future will be better, even though it seems impossible. God sees everything that is hidden from us, and he wants to tell us about them. Man, to me, it's awesome to think that God has some hidden things about the circumstances in my life, and if I just shut up and listen to him for a little bit and intently listen to him, that God will tell me some hidden things that might make my life a little better. It might make me a better husband, father, grandfather, pastor, or just an overall better person in Christ and improve my relationship with him. How awesome to know that only you and God know those things I'm all in on this, and I've learned a ton from this message. God told Jeremiah that prayer is the only way which he can tell us great and hidden things. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your people that are in this room, that are online worshiping with us. I pray, dear God, that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh in you upon each of us right now. God, I pray that I know that there are people that are in some situations and circumstances in their life right now where, they, God, they don't understand. They don't have the knowledge they need. There are some things, God, that you have for us that are hidden. God, will you reveal those to us in the name of Jesus? I pray for you today, Lord. I pray for those today, Lord, that God that may not have a relationship with you. If you're here today and you've never accepted what Christ did for you on the cross, you've never 
ask him to forgive you of your sins, you've never invited him in your life to be your savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Because it's in those, it's in that relationship that God makes a covenant with you, a promise to you. And he can't lie to you. He will keep his promises. But you have to be in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that relationship, I want to pray for you right now. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, if you would pray this simple prayer with me, I believe that God will forgive you of your sins and that he will be your savior. And that he will show you great and wonderful things, hidden things. Would you pray this with me if you don't have a personal relationship with him? Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Just pray that. You don't have to pray it out loud. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for the, for the forgiveness of my sins. Just pray that. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And then you pray this. Lord, I confess my sins to you. Please forgive me. The Bible says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just. And will forgive us all of our sins. So he's asking to forgive you. And then you invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior. Romans 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, the Bible says we shall be saved. So if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, will you just thank Jesus? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you right after the service. Pastor Mark or one of the pastors will be out at the little table out in the little foyer. Please, please stop by there if you prayed that prayer. And talk to Mark just a minute. He's got a gift for you, a little wristband that he wants to give you and talk to you if you have any questions. We want to walk this journey with you. And we're going to sing in just a moment. But maybe you're here today and man, you're in that place. You're in that place that Jeremiah spoke of in, in, the, in, the, in prison, in the court of the guards. And you feel like life is caving in on you. It might be your family, your children, your marriage, your finances, whatever it may be. And you just need some understanding and you need to maybe hear something that God has hidden just for you that you can only find when you pray. I'm going to invite you this morning to just come and pray during this last course. You don't have to do that. It's just an awesome place to pray. And let's just stand, and if you'd like to come and pray this morning, we'd love to have you, and we'd love to pray with you. So let's stand and worship, can we? Praise God. We love you guys.
cola I can hardly think as you call Deeper still as you call Deeper still as you call Deeper still as you love Love, I love, you're a good, good vibe It's who you are It's who encouraging message. What an encouraging God. It's that God that we can go to at any moment, any time, 24-7, a personal God that loves us. I love that. We can go out of here and we can be empowered because we have him available to us at all times and he just wants us to come to him exactly as we are. The beautiful presence of the Lord is here right now. Bask in it. Love it. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, that you made a way for us to just talk with you, to connect with you. You're so good. You're so wonderful. Father, you've made a way for us to be so personal with you. And so, Lord, together, collectively, we've come before you. We've enjoyed your presence. Your Holy Spirit has been here. You've changed us. You've moved us. People have come, stepped up closer to you. And so, Lord, we give you all the glory for that. Thank you for Buddy. Thank you for this message, God. I know the behind the scenes, and I know how faithful that he's been to this. And I know, God, how you have been faithful to your word here with us today. So we thank you for being our good, good father. We love you. We lift you up, Jesus. We give you all the glory for everything that has happened here today. And may we go in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. Remember, this is the locker room. Go on out into the playing field and take Jesus with you. You're a good, good father.